0: The Old Testament reading is from Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of the Lord. Uh, the epistle reading is from Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verses six through ten. Though if I should wish to boast, That, I should, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of, the, of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm pretty open about this, and for those of you who know me know this to be true, I really don't like it when things don't go according to a plan. When I'm working on something and I get almost to the end of it, and all of a sudden it just stops. It ceases to work, or I'm... It doesn't function the way I thought, or if I'm honest, as I'm working on a sermon, I get to the end and I just don't have an ending. I struggle with it. And all the work that went into it, all the time, all the effort, all the hard hours, only to get to the end and realize I have to start over. That I have to begin, or I have to at least retrace my steps to where it went wrong. It's frustrating. I find myself internally just struggling. Maybe you felt that way before too. But the truth is, if I'm being honest, my challenge isn't so much with the fact that it didn't work or that I had to go back and refix it. my main challenge in that situation is the fact that I messed up in the first place that I just didn't think about it hard enough or I didn't figure it out as I was going or I didn't make sure that I didn't mess up. You know, in those greatest times of challenge, I often try to play it off like it doesn't bother me either, like there's nothing wrong, it's okay. In fact, I could stand up in front of here, in front of you today and say, I didn't toil over this message. Everything was perfect. It was easy. But that wouldn't be the truth. And maybe you've heard that analogy when somebody's calm on the outside, they're like a duck in a pond. You can almost envision it, right? On a nice, even fall morning, it's all glass, crystal clear, and you see that duck just swimming through, not a care in the world. Everything seems to be going perfectly fine for them. But it's when you look underneath the surface. See, I can present myself as everything's perfect, everything's great, and everything works out perfectly, and my life is awesome. But inside, I'm paddling for my life. It seems like at every turn, something comes up, and I have to adjust. I have to make corrections. I have to think through what this is going to do in the future. The interesting part I venture a guess that I might not be alone in this either that you too might be struggling in the same ways that as you get up each and every day and put on that suit or you put on whatever you wear to work or you get up and you're just trying to take care of your family at home, there's a little part of you that's paddling for your life too. And the reason why we do this is we have this unrealistic expectation that we have to be perfect, that everything has to go perfectly as planned, that nothing can go wrong. And if something goes wrong, that I must be severely at fault. And that there's something so bad that I've done that I must not be worth it. That I made decisions or made this problem happen to myself. You see, it's hard for us to admit that we don't have everything under control. It's hard for us to put ourselves out there and say, hey, (laughs) I'm struggling as much as you guys are. Today is a tough day. How are you doing? This is especially difficult in a world where people keep having this idea that we have to be perfect in everything, that the product we have to put out has to be perfect. It can be without flaw, that there can be nothing wrong because if something's wrong, it's gonna get sent back. Or if something's wrong, I'm going to have to deal with that person and I don't really want to deal with that. And it's made even more problematic as we look at our world and this striving for perfection seems to be the only level that's acceptable, the only level that we can put out there in front of people. And with the dawn of social media, it even becomes worse, doesn't it? As we see people online, Or we hear people sharing their beautiful lives. The crazy thing is, we've all heard this phrase, nobody's perfect, right? We've all heard this. In fact, you may have said it yourself at some time in your life. And we know this to be true because the only perfect in our lives is God. The only perfect in this world who came to be here was Jesus Christ Especially as Christians, we understand this to be true because we can look and reflect on ourselves and know that without him, we are broken. Without God, we are a mess. Without God, our lives don't make sense. And yet this term, nobody's perfect, has been relegated to a phrase that people use as an excuse. And oftentimes if we hear somebody say, ah, nobody's perfect, we're quick to judge them, quick to say, well, you should at least try. And it's these things that cause us to be hard on ourselves. These things that cause us to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, man, if I could change that. If that wasn't a part of my life, if I could just erase that, I'd be happy. I'd be perfect. So as we address this topic, as we talk about this fact that it's okay, this okay series where we say it's okay to not be perfect, I figured it'd be important for us to actually look and see what the definition of perfect is, right? So I want to share this with you. This definition of perfect, that says, being entirely without fault or defect, flawless. And number two is satisfying all requirements. So I've got a question for you. Raise your hand if you meet those definitions. Nobody? My hand's not up either. It's impossible. It's impossible for us to match up and meet those criteria for perfect. Now, we might have bouts of greatness, right? And we celebrate those, and they should be celebrated. But when it comes down to it, this pursuit of perfection is often not always a pursuit that is about us or or this need that we have instead it's a need that people kind of put on us, or a need that we think that other people have that is requiring of us. This perfection often becomes a we have to play it out, we have to act, we have to put out this perfect image because if we allow people to see the cracks we have in our lives that we don't measure up then how can I fit in? How, where do I fit what's my place in this world where Am I going to be needed? In Ecclesiastes 2, the writer speaks some pretty eye-opening words. As he talks about this, this pursuit of perfection, if you will, this pursuit after things to make ourselves look good, to make ourselves look better than maybe we actually are. And he says... The great works he has done and all that he's prepared for himself, the wealth, the possessions, the reputation, everything that he has, those things that we often chase after each and every day, the things we think will somehow complete our lives. He says, all of these, all this chasing after the world is vanity. It's like chasing after the wind. You guys ever tried that? You're not going to catch it. You'll never grasp the wind. And he goes on to say, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. What an amazing way for us to really look and reflect on some of these things that we pursue, some of these things that we look after, we try and do. And too often we reflect on this ideal of perfection, the perfection that we see that's presented to us on Facebook and Instagram, this perfection that we see where people share their awesome trips, their job promotions, these incredible Events that they're a part of. They're beautiful family. And we look at these things and we we think I need to be like that. I need to do that. I need to be that image because that's perfect. Now hear me out. I'm not saying you shouldn't post your pictures. I'm not saying that those things aren't good to post, and we don't share. In fact, honestly. We almost need to change a heart when we see those things, don't we? We need to change our hearts because we look at them and we're like, of course they have that. Maybe you've said that. Instead, we should be rejoicing in the fact that God is blessing them in those moments, that their family is great, that they're having a wonderful time, that life is good because truly life is good. God has given us so many things and blessed us in abundance. Yet those pictures, those images, those things that people post, Especially those family pictures. They don't show the whole picture, do they? They show a snapshot in time. They show an instant, a moment, a moment of perfection that doesn't take into account the 10 minutes before where everybody is yelling at each other, telling each other where to stand, saying that I don't want to stand by this person because I don't like them. I'm not going to do that because there's no way I want to look that goofy. We're not dressing in the same way. Come on, mom, please. All those things that were said right before until somebody says, "Cheese." but that's not perfection either. As we look at our epistle lesson today from 2 Corinthians, we hear this from the Apostle Paul and Paul admits, in truth, knowing Paul's history, knowing what he has done, that he could boast, that he could say all these things. He could talk about his pedigree. He could talk about his citizenship. He could talk about all the ways that he was special because, in truth, He was special. He had all these things. He was taught by Gamaliel, the top guy, the number one. He was, at a young age, chosen. And he was chosen by God to lead the people, to share the gospel message, to spread it. He could have boasted. Yet, Paul says that he's not going to do that. In fact, He shares with us an important thing in this message, in in this passage from 2 Corinthians. He says, so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. He refrains from speaking those words. He refrains from boasting. He doesn't want to draw attention to self, but he wants to draw his attention to God. So it says, to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Because of the greatness of the revelation, because of what God had done in him, God allowed this thorn to be in his side, if you will, to nag at him, to push him. And it says it's a messenger of Satan. I don't know about you, I don't, I don't want to sign up for that. But all too often we, we still have that too. So Paul goes on and says that he asked for this to remove from himself three times. He asked the Lord to remove this from him. Maybe you've experienced something like this too. Maybe you've experienced something in your life that seems to always get in your way, seems to always be there nagging at you, pushing you, causing you pain, causing you suffering, causing you to lose sight sometimes of the joy, to lose sight of what God is doing in your lives. And Paul's being challenged because he can't shake this thorn. He can't get rid of it. And he's confessing his struggle. Now, as we spoke about last week, as we talked about it's okay to say, ouch, I want to make sure it's clear that this isn't God putting this thorn in him. This isn't God sending this messenger of Satan. We know God doesn't do this to us. But he will allow for us to be tested, to be put out there so that we might find our full reliance in God so we don't rely on ourselves thinking that we somehow can do it all, that we somehow can make it through this. If I just grit it out, if I just try hard enough, if I'm close to perfect. So Paul prays and Paul asks, and yet Jesus Christ says to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in, your, in weakness. Maybe you've prayed that same prayer. God, please take this from me. Please take this pain. I, I can't do this anymore. I can't take this. I can't handle this. Maybe you've said those words. I know that there's many times in my life where I've struggled and I've said the same thing. God, How? I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. But I can't do this anymore. And these words, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. What does he mean? What is he saying? How is that possible that God's power can be made perfect in weakness? And it causes us to take a step back, doesn't it? It causes us to reflect and say, what does this mean? It doesn't add up. How is perfect happening in weakness? But this weakness that we share, all of us. This weakness that causes us to feel down, that causes us to ask God help is the same weakness that turns us and our full reliance on God alone. That there's nothing we can do on our own, that this is Christ by His grace, by His mercy, that It's the only way I can make it through. The only way I can do and live out my life for him. Even in those times of trials, even when we think we're not worth it, and we think that we're broken and we're a mess, and God can do nothing with us. You see, when we think we have to do it on our own, God allows us to see that we can't. For our blessing, for his mercy on us, so that we turn our attention to him so that he can use us as he did Paul, that he can use us to be a light in this dark world, a light standing in the darkness so that others will notice and ask, what's different about you? You seem to have it all figured out. And in those moments, if I might, don't play like you do. We admit that it's not me, but it's Christ who lives within me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In chapter 13, Paul concludes in a powerful way this book as he talks about Christ's crucifixion, saying that he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God, for we are weak in him. But in dealing with you, we, were, we will live with him by the power of God. You see, like Paul, Christ prayed, remove this cup from me, if it be your will, And like Paul, God said no. He answered his prayer. And although Jesus' death on the cross, bearing the sins of the world and his crucifixion, the humiliation that he felt was in weakness, we know that it didn't stay there. That he wasn't nailed to the cross forever, that he didn't stay stuck there. Instead, he rose again, not by his not by man's power, but by God's power, the the same power that is within us, the same power that lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. For in our weakness, in our sins, our shame, Christ's power is made perfect. That it's not us, but it's Christ who lives within me. And therefore, that's how I'm able to do, that's how I'm able to live this life not worried, not struggling, not wondering, God, why am I not perfect? Instead, we live our lives knowing that through Him we are made perfect. You see, Jesus was perfect, that He was entirely without fault or defect, flawless. And for us, where we couldn't, when we couldn't attain this, when we couldn't become perfect or be that perfect image. that that God required of us to be in relationship with him, he satisfied all the requirements. He made us his own. He died for us and he rose so that we didn't have to worry, we didn't have to struggle anymore, but rather we could be made perfect, even in our weakness, even in our struggles, even in those days where we feel like we are worth less. God tells us we are worth everything. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all of our understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.